With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. I'd now like to welcome to Counterculture Anne Batley Burton, the champagne lady, a real housewife of Auckland, and the founder of the New Zealand Cat Foundation. Good morning, Anne. How are you? Hi, Marie. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Well, they're a little bit dusty. Too many Christmas parties at the moment. I know. It's a slightly croaky voice. <laughs> I know. We caught up last week, and I have to admit, the next day after that, I was I was a bit dusty on the voice as well because I just it was talk, 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 isn't it? So yeah, many people. It was so nice. good to catch up. And when we chatted, I said, said to you, look, I do need to get you on to talk about the Cat Foundation. And I hadn't realised that you'd written written this fantastic letter to the incoming government, which we'll dive to in a minute. But what I'd love to talk about first is tell our listeners a little bit more about the foundation, because this is a very personal story. And I think they'd really love to hear this gorgeous story about why the foundation was created and some of the work that you've done up until this point. Well, I suppose you could put it all down to my father because at the beginning, when I was much younger, Dad used to look after all the stray cats around his factories in New Lynn. As you can imagine, it was quite an industrial area, particularly then, and there was always little cats running around. Of course, not VCX, no one looking after them. So Dad took it upon himself to trap these cats, and a lot of them didn't even need trapping because they were sort of domestic cats that had just been left to run riot. So Dad did this, he got more desexed, and he then set up a little feeding station. And then one of the ladies at work, it was her sort of job to feed these cats every day. And we ended up with a little colony all around the printing business, which would have been probably about 20 cats. And then later on, when we actually went public and sold out, we couldn't find anybody who wanted to actually take on the cats at the factory. So we had to find homes for them. And I ended up with a very elderly little cat who was called Betty Boop who we had to amputate the tail because some rat bag had set it alight and done something horrific to it. And no one, of course, was prepared to take on this sort of 15, 16-year-old little cat who was terrified. So I ended up taking Betty Boop to the Pines, which was, you can imagine this little street cat from New Lynn ending up at the Pie Rise Apartments at the Pines. So that's sort of how I got involved in it. And then later on, when I married Richard, the cuddling, I was actually sitting here at the same table with um, a friend of mine who said that it was my first fiancé, actually, so we can blame him for it. Richard always says, well, blame Max for this whole situation. And um, Max saw this advertisement in the local rag, and he said, oh, this would suit you. You know, um, They're looking for volunteers to feed this little cat colony up at Parnell, the Rose Gardens. I said, oh, yes, that sounds like me. So next minute, off I trot in my high heels, you know, my big hat, my little handbag, flouncy dress. You can just imagine it. I arrived up there to meet one of the ladies who was sort of trying to get people involved. They took one look at me and thought, well, she's not going to be suitable, (laughs) clearly. She's not (laughs) going to fit the picture here. (laughs) And as it turned out, well, that was 23 years ago, and I became very, very involved and, um, in fact, um, we ended up building the little enclosure up there, um, which was with the support of the council at the time, which was great, where it's a little sort of shelter area that the cats can go into and be fed. So that's how it started. And then as time went by, I was getting really worried because a lot of the cats were getting pretty old. And they're obviously all de-sexed, of course. 
um, and they were getting elderly and I was really worried about them during winter. So I thought, right, you know, it would be great to have a nice little sanctuary for these elderly Parnell pussies. So anyway, time came about 11 years ago and my mother passed away and left me some money and I ended up buying um, a property which I call, which is called Goose Creek, mainly because we have about 120 geese up there and I uh, thought this is the perfect property to put a little sanctuary on for a maximum of 25 little stray cats that were getting old. We called it the Pensioner Pussy Palace. and so it's quite cute it could be taken either way you know (laughs) so that was built and it started off very beautiful and had beautiful hanging baskets it had my mother's lovely lounge suite her sanderson fabric covered little armchairs and things i was going to put her chandeliers in there (laughs) but as it turned out it was lucky i didn't and i put a fridge there my champagne umbrella out on the lawn little seats, and the idea was to have sort of champagne with the pussies. Well, of course, as you probably know, one pussy's followed another, and particularly after doing Real Housewives of Auckland, a lot of people, of course, heard about me, and I became very well known as the pussy lady. I really wanted them to know about the champagne lady, so they'd buy lots. <laughs> That's worked quite well, too. And, uh, of course, from now, from then on, I've literally been sent hundreds of cats and asked to help out with them. And quite frankly, it's getting overwhelming because we've had to build on and on and on the sanctuary and predator-proof fencing, which we need to replace a lot of that now. Roofing, you know, you can imagine the cost that's involved. We rely on volunteers. We've got probably about 70 volunteers who come and go and every day, different ones come, but a roster. We, of course, are trying to raise money to assist because last year alone it was nearly $300,000 to feed and care for these cats. A lot of the cats have got health issues. They need teeth removed. Some of them, we get ones that are diabetic. We get ones that are blind. We get all sorts of issues with the cats, stomatitis. It's it's a massive enterprise, really. If if I was making money out of it, it would be fantastic because it's growing and growing. Um, unfortunately, it's only this last year that we've managed to get a couple of grants, which is to help us with our roof replacement. But prior to that, you can imagine, you know, places like the SPCA are known, oh, yes, they donate to them. But we're actually at the grassroots taking on a huge burden because we don't sort of put cats down or, or you know, say, oh, well, this one's got a bit of an issue, so sorry, can't deal with that. We literally try to treat every single cat as if it's our personal cats. So that's sort of where we're at. Yeah, that's just a, there is a massive amount of work involved. And, you know, in a way, cat and dog ownership is a rite of passage in New Zealand. What has amazed me in recent years is that that sort of seems to be increasingly under threat. I couldn't imagine a family home without a cat. And even if you're unable to have one due to rental situations or where you live, you can still go. That's a beautiful thing. You you know, people still love going somewhere. And I've never seen a child that shies away or, or gets spooked by seeing a cat. The first thing a child wants to do is give love, isn't it? When it's when they see a cat. Yes. Do you adopt any of the cats when they come to the uh the Pussy Palace or they uh do I drop they, them out, you mean? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We do our best to drop them out. Um and in fact um, two years ago, we, we were thrilled. We adopted out 159 cats, which was massive. 
And then during COVID, of course, we had quite a few people who wanted to adopt because, of course, they're stuck at home and they thought it would be lovely to have a cat. But what's happened, I understand from statistics and things, a lot of those people, once they've gone back to work and life's come back to normal, all of a sudden they're not really so interested in the cat anymore. And that's a very sad situation. And since COVID and with the economic situation becoming so difficult for many people, sadly there's been a lot of people who have surrendered their cats because they just can't afford to keep them. Or there have been people who, even worse, they haven't surrendered them to a rescue. They've actually dumped them and they just dropped off. Even two days ago, I had a phone call from one of my neighbours and she said, oh, I was walking past where you feed. There's some other little cats I feed in another area. And she said, there's a box there with with a blanket in it and there's this little cat in it. And she said, you've got to go and do something. So because I rushed down there, by the time I get down there, unfortunately, no sign of the cat. It had gone, it had gone over the bank, into the jolly bush and so on. We went down there trying to put traps out, trying mm-hmm. haven't been able to locate it. But this is what happens. And this cat probably hasn't been de-sexed. So next thing, it's going to be getting pregnant or whatever, making babies, depending on sex. And uh, this is a really serious problem. And this is where it's all stemming from. And in my opinion, what we should be doing is having free de-sexing because as you say, it's very important for people to have pets, and in particular, cats are wonderful for children and old people, and it gives them so much pleasure and love, and there's so much empathy between them. And there are some people that the only reason they get up in the morning is because of the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that about myself sometimes after a night out on the town, you know, but that's so important. And what's happening now is that. Um, a lot of people, for a start, as I said, they can't afford a cat, so they'd say to the kids, well, sorry, we can't have a, have a cat. And with all the regulations that are trying to bring in, it's becoming more and more expensive and more and more difficult. So even the fact of de-sexing, all our cats, of course, are de-sexed, vaccinated, microchipped. We do everything before any cat is adopted out. But a lot of people, they get a cat, first of all, they don't bother getting it de-sexed, and then, of course, they've got kittens. And, oh, my God, oh, well, we can't look after the kittens. So all the kittens are sort of dumped outside. Next minute, within six months, they're breeding as well. And on and on it goes. But if that person could have a cat that was de-sexed and it at least microchipped as well, um, even if they didn't get it vaccinated, you know, there's different thoughts about that, whether it's necessary or not. But ideally all three. But if not, have it microchipped so that then there's a great chance of getting it returned to them if it happens to go AWOL. The trouble is a lot of cats aren't microchipped. A lot of them aren't de-sexed. And we've got this, when I say problem, it's not a cat problem, it's a people problem. Mm -hmm. I always say, that. oh, we've got a big problem, too many stray cats. No, it's not a cat problem. It is a people problem and we need to take responsibility for it. And I think since they're so concerned, the environmentalists, they're worried about cats and thinking they might be killing native species and so on. What should be done, instead of saying, oh, let's go out and kill these cats because they're doing whatever they think they're doing, instead of that, they should be advocating for free de-sexing. The government should be spending money on having free de-sexing and free microchipping and so on. And this would stop this problem from the grassroots. It's no point coming in at the end and thinking, oh, we're just going to kill a whole lot of cats. It doesn't work for a number of reasons because of the meso-predator effect, take out the top predator, mm-hmm. the next ones come up and so on, yeah. and they take over and then you've got nothing to keep them down, and you've got the vacuum effect. You take some cats out of an area, they might want to get rid of cats, and next minute more come in because there's always a food source there behind a factory or 
It might be a shopping centre, it might be a fast food outlet, whatever, someone's backyard who's got a cat of their own. And it's a never-ending cycle. So education is the key. So let's take this back now to that clash because there has been a clash in recent years because the time of where everyone had a number of like cats and, and often you would look after them and, uh, and the importance of desexing. And now with the environmental issues, there has been a move, uh, whether it be from a district council level or for a national level, to actually have more controls over cats like dogs. And I mean, I've had, I own both cats and dogs and dogs are a a much greater responsibility. So coming with that greater responsibility and care is more regulations and they certainly are more expensive. Whereas I have to say one of the things I love about cat ownership is in terms of bang for buck, cat ownership gives you such tremendous satisfaction. As long as, as you say, you do those basics, you know, basic healthcare and desexing is top priority. You have this wonderful relationship. So talk me through what started this letter, this open letter that you've sent. Talk me through that. What was the catalyst for that? What prompted that letter to be written to begin with? Yes, well, the point is that the Environmental Select Committee, which of course is you know, driven by Eugenie Stage, who's a, a huge conservationist, environmentalist, et cetera, et cetera. She and, and the rest of them on the select committee have voted unanimously for mandatory desexing and microchipping of cats to prove ownership. Now, this was an, an answer to a petition that was put forward by a young woman who, quite frankly, doesn't have a lot of experience at her age, um, Erica Rowlands. And this is a petition put forward by her, which they addressed on the Environmental Select Committee. They had, you know, there were submissions and everything and, and discussions with SPCA, the New Zealand Companion Animal Register, um, the Veterinary Association, Predator-Free New Zealand, all of that sort of thing, all driven by the Morgan Foundation and so on. And the problem with this is that all of those groups have been coming realistically coming apart from, say, the SPCA, so much to our native species. And the problem is we need somebody on that committee who actually is there for the cats, for the good of the cats. And that's what's been so worrying. So they've unanimously voted for this. Well, what they haven't considered are a huge number of things. For example, cost of this, as I said before, you know, we're in an economic crisis here. A lot of people can't even afford to feed their children properly, let alone worry about the cost of desexing, you know, microchipping, et cetera. And I believe that it should, for a start, if they're so keen on reducing any so-called damage cats are doing to our environment, they should be giving free desexing and microchipping. Uh, that should be available to everybody, not just certain people. So um, in terms of the this... unfortunate thing is, of course, that we will still have a problem. So, so in terms of this threat, this threat to the environment, is it an is it an actual threat or is it a perceived threat? So is it a threat that they believe that's there? Because I would have thought that there were many other factors that would be detrimental to particularly bird life and wildlife in our native surrounds, not the domestic moggy. 
Exactly. Well, this is the point. I mean, think about the number of birds that are killed when they hit windows, high-rise buildings and so on. Um, the fact that they, this deforestation all the time, they're busy chopping down trees here, there and everywhere, usually because they're not native trees. And and what about all the birds that are used to be nesting in there and, and all the damage that that's doing? But they don't seem to worry about that. They don't worry about the human damage that's being done to our environment. They're blaming it all on the cats. They'll say, oh, there's hardly any birds down at a certain area. Well, I wonder why. Well, it's because they've built a whole lot of houses there and they've chopped down the trees. It's not because the cats are going on a rampage. And most cats, sure, there are certain cats that are hunters and are, are very good hunters, but the, the vast majority of cats, if they're being fed and looked after, they're quite happy just to cruise around and lie in front of the fire or lie out in the sun. And I've got a lot of experience of it. And even at the sanctuary, we have quite a few cats that are just on the property that are just in and out of the house and so on. We have got about 120 geese and we've got a whole lot of ducks. They have their little and the, and the chickens. They have their little baby chicks. We have never seen one being killed. Often they even will eat together the scraps. We'll put some old cat food out so they can eat it. And there's a cat sitting there beside it and they're all busily joining in together. So the problem is that what they have based their research on was a couple of studies that weren't totally ill-founded because one in particular was in it was in Dunedin, and I think there were around 37 cats that were known for their hunting capabilities. And that why they did the actual study was because it was for the use to see whether or not a bell would actually um, deter or would stop the cats from catching birds and so on. So that was why they did that study. So it's like saying, well, okay. Um, we've got five known rapists. Now let them loose and let's see what they do. And saying that every man's a rapist, so therefore we must throw the whole of them in jail. Mm. Well, these cats, you know, sure, they did. They were found to have eaten and killed quite a few birds and skinks and things like that. But that is a, a random, not a, it's not a random selection. It's a very clear distinction in choosing these very, very good hunters and then they've extrapolated all the numbers of all cats are responsible for killing millions of birds and this sort of thing, which is completely ridiculous. And they don't also, too, factor in the fact that I know rats is one of the major issues in terms of predation for native birds because they eat the eggs and nests. Exactly. And, you know, what about the feral cat population keeping the rat population down? So, you know, they, right. they're not bringing in all of these factors. So now that uh, the likes of uh, Eugenie Sage et al. are no longer in the beehive, uh, what is yes. this? I mean, and they're obviously just uh, figuring out the deck chairs on the on the ship at the minute. What are you yes, kind of yes. hoping now that this, when the new select committee is formed, you do actually have a window of opportunity to potentially get this tabled and discussed properly or is it has well, it now been passed into legislation? We can, yes, well the problem is that um it's actually already been put forward and apparently, as I understand, I'm not an expert on it, but apparently after a certain period of time, once it's been presented, it has to be addressed. And since there's been a change of government, of course, that's um changed the timing. But apparently once the new government was settled, which of course it is now, um, I think it's supposed to be something like 90 days that it must address it. So that's why uh, Diane O'Connor and myself wrote the letter and we sent it around to all the MPs asking for them to please consider this, this whole list of reasons as to why we don't believe this should be put through. 
we're hoping that that will have made some sort of impact and they will think carefully because the um, the worrying thing is a lot of people think, oh, stray cats, you know, and I'm important. Yes, that sounds like a good idea. Mandatory desexing microbes, yeah, that'll be great. That'll solve all the problems. What they don't understand is the reasoning behind this is that they want to collapse the categories of cats and there's the three categories, which is domestic or companion, stray and feral, and they're trying to collapse the strays into the feral category, which would then, by saying it's, Unowned if it doesn't have a microchip. And if it then of course there's lots of little strays out there that we look after, hence me having so many in the sanctuary. And there's a, a huge numbers of them out there that um, rescue organizations, community cat coalition and so on, which I'm part of, are out there, you know, attacking this situation and getting these kittens and rehoming them, desexing the, the mothers and so on, and the and the males, all of them. So the worrying thing is a lot of those strays, of course, have not been microchipped, but they are being cared for by people on a daily basis, and they're no um, problem to the, the native wildlife and so on, bird life. That they would be at risk, and they'd be targeted by these environmentalists who'd say, "That's a stray cat over there. It's clear it hasn't got an owner. Oh, and we'll check it if they even bother to check it. Oh no, it's not microchipped. Sorry, put down. Mm. It's so cruel and totally unnecessary." It's has there been international examples where they've got tighter laws that they've tried to implement on cat ownership and you've actually seen really adverse effects to cat populations? Yes, we have, um, in particular in, in Australia, where they've brought in this law. There's been terrible incidences of mass sort of cat killing by these people who go out and target them. And there were a whole lot of cats and hanging, they were just hanging off things that just Ah, great, we killed all these cats and so on. And it's just horrific and it's so wrong because you can imagine children as well being affected by this. They're bringing children up now to say, oh, these are pests. Uh, even the cats now, there was Doc, would you believe it? A couple of years ago, they were, went to a school in Waiheke and they took a little black dead kitten and was showing children and saying, these are pests. Now, for goodness sake, what's that doing to children's minds? Children should be brought up. They stopped it. But with empathy for animals, regardless of the type, to be honest, they, that's the natural thing for a child not to be brought up. Oh, this is this is a pest. It's killing our birds. We've got to get rid of them and so on. And this is what engenders all this terrible cruelty that's going on. There's one guy out in Waiuku, and he's actually a supposed environmentalist. He's very proud because he's killed hundreds of cats. And it, they found he killed his neighbor's cat. We tried to do something about it. We got nowhere with the police. And he killed many other neighbours' cats and they found a pile of cats at the end of the road um, that he had been going on this killing spree because cats are pests and they're killing our birds and so on. And it's it's so sad what's happening to our country. Of course, it's going to cause a huge amount of dissension between people, divisiveness and so on. And they're talking about, oh, you know, you've got to fence your cats in. You're not allowed them off your property. Well, as we know, cats are not like dogs. Cats can get out of just about anywhere. And you'd have to literally predator-proof fence or build a patio over your property, otherwise lock them in. And myself, I've got vast experience of trying to keep cats in because even up at our other property, we've got a number of cats inside that should not go out because of their health. And the problem is you can't even leave a window open because they'll be out. And then you get friends who come around and they, they open the door, they walk out, and bang, the cat's gone. The stress it puts on you. Is, is horrific and causes huge arguments because even my own husband, I'll be yelling at him because you let the cat out, you know. Oh, mm. I only popped out for a second to get something out of the car. 
it, it's it's too much. So you can imagine people having pets and they've got children running in and out of the house and you're not allowed to let the cat out because this this law. So neighbours will say, oh, your cat came onto my property and it, it went in my garden or whatever. Now you're getting problems with this sort of thing, people having killed their neighbour's cat. We have people who actually have picked up their neighbour's cat and brought it to us at the sanctuary because it's annoying them and then and it hasn't been microchipped, so it's been very, very difficult to find the owners. And it's like kidnapping somebody's child. Yeah. Saying, oh, yeah. I don't like kids. It's so wrong. Has there been, do you think, politically, particularly with the government of the recent times, not the current, but or the old one rather, do you think that it is just an extension of this pathological need to control their own environment and the environment around them? And actually, really, they should yes. just leave things well alone? What are, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. They're too much. To tell you what, when there's so much bureaucracy, it's a nightmare. That's why, of course, we've got to get rid of a whole lot of people in council and government and so on. It's a, far too many of them. And the stupid thing about it is when you look at what they're wanting to push through, uh, so are we going to have people coming around and knocking on your door saying, now, I just want to check that your cat's been de-sexed. I brought the vet with me as well, to be sure. Um, and we're going to check if there's a microchip. This is ridiculous. It's going to just be a massive waste of ratepayers' money to even implement this whole thing, a register. Internal Affairs actually said they said to the Environmental Select Committee that they did not agree with it, that it would be so expensive to implement and totally ridiculous. And the reason they had the dog registration is actually for the protection of people, not for protection of the dogs. This should, the only reason you should be registering a cat is to protect the cat and hopefully if it gets lost, displaced, or whatever, it has got a chance of being brought back to its family. As it is with pedigree cats. So, you know, I mean, they, you, there are registers with pedigree cats and microchips and most breeders will, I mean, we have a pedigree cat. We've got a Maine Coon and she's a monumental tartan. She's an absolute I can Yes, I and she she rules the roost and our poor dogs, we've got, I mean, we've got an 105 kilo Mastiff and she's in charge of the Mastiff. He does. Oh he goodness. basically is at her beck and call and bidding. This poor dog. He's just a pussy. <laughs> she is. She is. And no, he's you know, just a pussy. He's he just very pussy. much. He is very much a pussy. But she brings such joy to the home. But being from a breeder, she arrived de-sexed. She had all her chipping, everything there. There's a register, and that's just it. So that's at that end of the scale. But I also know that I've worked a lot when uh, my son got special needs, and when uh, he was much younger, he learnt empathy and how to actually express his feelings with our previous cat and our dog at the time it was the pets that taught him these skills and there are I know cat ownership is one that you know often families that do have lower socioeconomic needs but they can manage to cobble together what they need for the cat food to, to take care of that cat and bring a Add some joy into a family. Imagine the stress and cost benefits to them. And I just feel like that if they these people that say they're wanting to do this for the environment or or for the council or the region, all they're doing is actually affecting again the most vulnerable. They're affecting vulnerable families. They're affecting the elderly. How many have cats? That's their only form of company of a day. Do they not realise the wider effects of these things? 
You're absolutely right. And this is what you know, we've tried to sort of put in this letter. And I hope that they will take the time to read it and, and think about all these issues. We have a lot of people who come to the sanctuary on, on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, who are, are groups who are people with special needs. And they love these cats. They have so much happiness. You know, their caregivers say, it's just changed their life. They, they, they light up. They're just so happy. They can really relate to the cats, the empathy between them. It's amazing. It is so important. And, you know, as you said, old people and so on. And we, we all have people, say, from retirement homes and so on come through because they're not allowed to have a cat. A lot of these places won't allow a cat or you can bring it, but once it's gone, that's it sort of thing. The pleasure they get to come in and they oh, it's just incredible and so it's not only um just as you say for the environment that we should be making these decisions it's for all the people in the community and the happiness and pleasure that it brings to people and I know for myself when anything bad happens the first thing I want to do is go and cuddle the cat they just make me feel so much better it's it's amazing and my parents died things like that oh, you know you have to go Where's my cat? It's not the husband, it's the cat. <laughs> so people are hearing this and they're wanting to contribute. So, for example, with we'll, we'll do these because there's actually two avenues here I think people can help. One is with the, the letter that you've sent. But surely um, if people are concerned about this moving forward, would approaching their local MP, uh, and we'll make sure that we'll put a copy of your letter out with our resources, that then if they can get that, they can then petition their own local MP and say, hey, look, I know that this is out from the New Zealand Cat Foundation. We would like to throw our support just to let you know. I mean, I think that would be helpful, a bit of people power, a bit of pester power. And it also, would be very helpful. Yeah, and, and then also if people are wanting to help you at the New Zealand Cat Foundation, whether it be in cash or kind, uh, what are the sorts of things that would help you there? Um, obviously, you know, financial donations are great. Um, then we can use it as we see fit, like we're having to replace the roof at the moment and some new predator-proof fencing, which is very important to keep the cats secure. However, and also food, of course, is a massive expense. Um, and we do have, um, oh, Pet Food New Zealand in particular have been amazing. They've been donating regularly cans. So that's been a godsend. In fact, I don't know what we'd do without them. Um, we have a, a big problem getting biscuits. Cat food biscuits are very hard to come by. That is a huge problem because we used to get a lot of them donated and now very, very rarely. And there was a shortage, of course, during COVID because a lot of them were being imported and the just votes weren't coming in. So lots and lots of biscuits would be great. Also bedding. Also people's skills, you know, with the building work that we're having to do, we're, we're basically um, having to use volunteers for a lot of the work. So if there's any people out there, either men or women, who have building skills, that would be a godsend uh, and have working bees and so on. Rotary from Henderson Rotary have been very helpful. They've got together and come and done working bees with us, you know, putting down pavers and things like that, roofing, helping with that. It's just great to see that. So anything like that would be wonderful. Very important to have more volunteers. Yeah, you can never have too many volunteers. And, of course, we'll yes. make sure that we've got the New Zealand Cat Foundation website uh, available. I think it's just New Zealand Cat Foundation, was it, .org? .org.nz. Yes, the NZ, the NZ Cat Foundation, .org.nz. 
Fantastic. Hey, look, Anne, it's just been so good to catch up with you. And it again, it's one of these many issues that doesn't necessarily see the light of day. And we know, we know the devastation that can be caused when you lose a family pet like this. I mean, just look at the media that was around the, the people that owned the dog in Gisborne when the yes. council uplifted that dog incorrectly and the devastation oh, that caused. It was terrible. And I think if they tried to do this with cats, it would just be even bigger. And I just think that would be awful, utterly awful for families, utterly awful for communities. And I think it's one of those butterfly effect things that you have, as you said, a a young, quite naive uh, woman who puts together a petition and they look at it all really wonderful and they think, oh, let's do a little. I mean, the virtue signaling on this is off the Richter scale, really, isn't it? When actually, yes, it is. Are huge. Hey, You're between, absolutely right. It's it's horrific. No, it is horrific. So, look, thank you so much um, for coming on today. I really have appreciated your time. This has been Anne Batley Burton from the New Zealand Cat Foundation. And as she said, whether it be donating some food, donating your time, if you can donate some cash or your expertise, do give them a yell and oh, think of the joy, especially this time of year. We like to spread the joy at this time of year. So, and Merry Christmas to you, Anne. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year period. Yes. Oh, thank you so much, Marie. And I'll just say one other thing. If people want to come out and visit the sanctuary, we've got beautiful 12 acres out there in Kumio. It's absolutely gorgeous. And people love to come. It's almost a bit like a holiday park sometimes. They love to come and just see the cats and have a wander amongst the trees and things like that. And they get a lot of pleasure out of it. And if anybody's looking for a fabulous calendar, we've just done our amazing calendar. So you can also find that on the website if you'd like to buy one. That sounds fantastic. That's wonderful. Hey, thank you, Anne. Um, I really do appreciate the time this morning here on Counterculture with Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now, they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.